Welcome back to another episode of the Impel Ford Podcast. And before I say anything else, don't forget to like, share, and subscribe to the podcast. And don't be afraid to comment whether you like the show or you don't like it, whether you love it or do love it. Just engage in the comments. So today we have here Tommy Green. Uh, he's an activist. He's a leader in the community. And he has a Facebook page called From Handcuffs to Cufflinks. And he also has a organization called, what is it? Success While in Transition. Success While in Transition. Fondly known as SWIT. As what? SWIT. SWIT. And he's a, he has a passion for helping felonies that is being released from prison get acclimated to, to the community, right? Okay. And, and the reason is he once wasn't an inmate himself. And so he has a passion for doing that. And so we're going to just dive right into it, if you don't mind. Right. Now, what exactly were you incarcerated for? I was uh, convicted of two counts of armed robbery, one count of kidnapping, one count of possession of firearm by felon, and one count of felony breaking in. Breaking in. And uh, how much time did you get for that? I was sentenced to uh, 11 years, 11 to 14 years, and mm -hmm. I actually did 11 years and eight months. 11 years and eight months, okay. Um, I, now, what, I read, also read that you was a six-time felon, is that correct? Six-time felon, yeah. So is that, were you doing things before then? Has you been locked up before? Um, yeah, I've I was I've been in and out of trouble mm -hmm. most of my adult life, to okay. be honest with you. But as far as convictions, I was convicted one time before on one felony, mm -hmm. um, possession of arm by felon. No, I'm sorry. Fleeing to a little rest. That was that was my first felony, mm -hmm. and then I was actually on probation when I got these other charges, and then those were five felonies at one time. So one one time, and then five. Okay, how old were you when you started getting in trouble? Um, my first charge was when I was 18. 18. Right as I turned an adult. Oh, and so was you getting in trouble for then? Any little things before growing up or in school? Yeah, I was. I was kind of always that guy, you know, mm -hmm. as far as class clown, mm -hmm. um, skipped a lot, stayed mm -hmm. in and out of. In and out of trouble as far mm -hmm. as in school wise, right, but right. never really, I didn't never really get in trouble with law wise mm -hmm. until like my supposedly senior year. Senior year, okay. Yeah, I, I was supposed to be a senior. Right, year. right. So, so what led you down that path? Um, honestly, man, that's that's a that's like the million dollar question. Right, like, right, right. Make, make us do what we do. Uh -huh. Um, in my case, mm -hmm. I think I was. I think my influence, you know, where mm -hmm. I was from. Right. Um, you know, as, as young black men, we all kind of grow up um, glorifying it like gangster life, or mm -hmm. street life, right, so on right. and so forth. So the lure of it kind of pulled me in that direction. And all and you know how it is. The, seems like the bad guys are always the cooler guys. The bad mm -hmm. guys are always the guys that get the girls. So caught up in the hype. Right. Long story short. Well, tell me more about it. How, how did you? Did, was your dad involved in your life or? Yeah, absolutely. See, you know, when telling my story, because of the work I do, you know, mm. I, I tell my story a lot. Mm -hmm. And uh, with that being said, I always started off by saying I was like that, that quintessential guy didn't have to do what he did to get in trouble. Right, you know, right, I right. came from a great family background, mm -hmm. great family structure, had a lot of love and support. Right. Um, my, now, my parents did split up when mm -hmm. I was at a young age, right. but my dad still stayed in my life. My right. dad was a great person. I said, well, he's, he's deceased now. but. Right. Yeah, he's always been a part of my life. You know, I was just hard-headed. Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah, it's similar to mine. Like, my family, loving family, supportive and all that, but I kind of went down the same road. Huh. So it seemed very similar to mine, you know. So yeah, it, it was it – so was it – do you consider it being peer pressured or just you want to just 
do what you wanted to do, be out at a young age. Well, you, you was, well, at 18, you was kind of yeah, getting on up there. Yeah, I was kind of past the peer. Well, I mean, I don't know. I, I think young men are still influenced. And right, start, right, right. Still fall into that peer pressure category. Mm-hmm. And I think somewhat, yeah, it was peer pressure from not only my peers, but mm-hmm. Even like music, TV. You mm-hmm. know, it's funny. I'm like a, I'm a, I'm a big music fan. I right. love hip hop or, right. or whatever, whatnot. Mm-hmm. And I sit back and I listen to people blame, you know, so many issues in in our community mm-hmm. on rap music or whatever. Yeah, they or do. Not. Mm-hmm. And in my story, the, my biggest influence as far as entertainment was mm-hmm. actually TV. Okay. Like when I when I I grew up, you know, um, selling drugs here and there a little mm-hmm. bit or whatever, mm-hmm. whatnot. And that was like my thing. Right. But I tell people where I really went astray, mm-hmm. and it's, it's funny, you probably remember this movie. Everybody remembers this movie, mm-hmm. at least from my community. Belly. Right. You remember right, the right. movie Belly? I don't even think I watched the whole movie. Really? Yeah, See, yeah, you didn't yeah, even have to yeah, watch it. Right, the, right. the whole movie isn't <laughs> what influenced me. That right. very first scene when DMX and Nas walk in the in the beginning, and they robbed that um, that that spot or whatever. I think it was like a club or something. You know, they playing that steady. Oh, you mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, that part. When I first seen that, that's when it clicked on. that's when it clicked in my head. I should rob people instead of selling drugs, and I don't know why I was stupid enough to make that that right. that connection. But mm-hmm. they just like they fan, they made it look so cool and so easy to do. Next thing you know, I got into armed robbers instead of just peddling weed or, or whatever here. So you're saying that the movie, now the song, and the movie, and the movie whole scene influenced you, influenced me. Yes. Wow. Yeah, I can even tell you, I think that song came out like 99, 2000. Mm-hmm. I mean, that movie came out 99, 2000, around mm-hmm. here. Right. 99 was my graduation year. Right, right. You see, all of it just lined up. It was like right when I was, right when I turned adult, mm-hmm. right when I really started getting heavy into dibbling and dabbling in drugs mm-hmm. and, you know, breaking the law or whatever, whatnot. Right. I see that. And it influenced me at a late age. I was like mm-hmm. 17, 18 when I seen that. Mm. So how old were you when you got out? Uh, I, I went in at 22. I got out at 33. At thirty three, wow, wow, that's how. So how was it in there? Did, did you have any struggles or any fights or did you? Absolutely. How was it? Absolutely. So in, in, even in, in, even in telling my story about mm-hmm. my my prison sentence, it right. was a little bit different from a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And why? Because I was sentenced at twenty two, but because of the severity of my charges, mm-hmm. um, I wasn't sent to a youth spread. Right. Like in North Carolina, from eighteen to twenty five, twenty six, you mm-hmm. go to a youth spread. Right. So, anyways, I ended up going to CP and Scotland. Mm-hmm. You know, some of Scotland and CP at that time right. was some of the most dangerous yeah. prisons in North Carolina. Right. And the thing about it was, I went to these prison camps, and I was always the youngest on the yard because I should have been in adult spread at twenty two, mm-hmm. but I was on the yard with the grown ups, right, so right, to speak, right. or whatever. So yeah, it was it was some learning. It, not I ain't gonna say learning curves, but I had some some ups and downs in prison. Right, right. You know, nothing too bad. Um, as far as because you know, on state mm-hmm. or in prison, you know, Durham has a lot of lot of pull. I'm from Durham. That right. helped me. Oh yeah. I never yeah. been no little guy. Mm-hmm. You know, so that kind of helped me. So I had a lot of things in my favor mm-hmm. when I got incarcerated. So how how would how but how was you feeling in those moments though? Like as far as your mental Man. capacity, was you yeah. did it. Bother you a lot that that you was in there? Uh, uh, absolutely. I, my first, like again, I did almost twelve years. Right. I would say my first three to five years mm-hmm. was hell. Mm-hmm. Like you know, I was a young man, and again, from my family structure, I kind of knew instantly I messed up. Like right. I, I messed up a great life. Uh, hold up. So even with me, my my past, I even now I talk to people when I tell them, I had a young guy I talked to actually. Just a couple of days ago, and he told me he'd been going through a lot, getting the streets, going down that same path. Mm-hmm. And I told him, I said, well, 
when you when you're going on that path, you know, don't really hurt yourself. This is something I say a lot. You also hurt your family. Right. So how was it for your family? How, how was you know how did they take it? I mean, man, it was it was definitely hard on them. I, right. I sometimes I still battle with it today. To be honest with you, right. kicking myself, thinking like I may have been like the, the, the main cause of my dad's health to decline as fast right. as it did. You know, it was it was as soon as like the the, the first week I got locked up. Mm-hmm. My sister died the next week. Oh, wow. And that was my sister on my dad's side. So mm-hmm. within the same year, he lost his only daughter mm-hmm. and lost his only son to the system. And so it's like instantaneously I seen my dad aging as soon as I got locked up. I knew it was hard on him. Right. And it was hard on my other people too, you know, right. my mom and my sister. Mm-hmm. But they were I feel like they were a little bit more resilient than my dad was at right. the time. I mean, not even not even my sister. Like I have another sister. I'm the baby boy of two sisters, by the way. Right. And um, I think she came, and she's a, my, my other sister is a, is a sweetheart. She's mm-hmm. a softy, you right. know, got a big heart. Mm-hmm. And I think she may have came to visit me a total of three times mm-hmm. over the, the whole course of my incarceration. But I mm-hmm. still kept in touch and talked to her. Mm-hmm. But the reasoning was because it bothered her so much to see me inside. Mm-hmm. You know, she couldn't deal with it. And so she kind of stayed away and... And I could tell, like, you know, that, that put a strain on her as well as my mom. Mm-hmm. I think, and my mom, she still looks very brave, hands right. down. But, and I'm saying that because I know she's going to see this. <laughs> but, but she, even her, I've seen, I seen a few extra years pop on her face mm-hmm. after I was incarcerated. Right. And I could see, you know, sometimes the visits were hard. You know, you want to see your people, mm-hmm. but you still see that look in their face. And it's not necessarily that look of disappointment. It's, mm-hmm. it's hurt. You know, your, your child or your... Love when he's in a cage, you can't do nothing about it. Mm-hmm. That's tough. Yeah, and that's what, what the young guy, he actually said that. He said he don't want to stress his daddy out anymore because he knew that right. his father was stressed out about him. Right. You know, it, it does take a toll on our family. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. <clears throat> so w- what type of work do you do now? Was it hard for you to get uh, jobs when you first got out? Or? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I, I struggled like everybody did, mm-hmm. you know, coming home, convicted felon, that's right. one strike, convicted violent felon, that's mm-hmm. almost another strike in itself. Right. Because of the number of charges, another strike. So, yeah, I kind of bumped around, you know, from job to job here to there. I actually got a break, uh, like, six months after I was out. Mm-hmm. You know, this guy referred me to this parking lot, this parking company in Raleigh. Right. And, you know, I started off as a parking lot attendant, worked there for about maybe nine months, and then they promoted me to a supervisor, mm-hmm. and then within like 30 days of being a supervisor, they made me an assistant operations manager. Mm-hmm. So I got blessed in that regard, right. but um, I had some 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 issues with that company mm-hmm. that made me want to leave. Mm-hmm. And it's funny, I, I did the right thing as far as not leave one job without having another, mm-hmm. but my record caught me up. Mm-hmm. I got another offer, good offer, um, went to the other job. Day two of me being there, they said it was going to run a background check. Mm-hmm. I knew I was in trouble when they said that. Right, right. So I lasted about a week, long enough for the background check to come mm-hmm. back, and I was fired. Right. So then, you know, I pedaled around again, job to job, working whatever I could to make a little money or whatever, whatnot. And then, luckily, a guy that goes to my church, uh, he was he works for he was working for the health department at the time in Orange County, and he saw this job description about this new program in Orange County called the FIT program, formerly incarcerated transition program. And that program is a program that connects formerly incarcerated people, um, recently released formerly incarcerated people that have a chronic condition to free healthcare. Mm-hmm. And so one of the one of the job requirements is that you had what they call um, had been formerly. I mean, uh, how did they word it? Live life experience of mm-hmm. incarceration or something like that. In other words, formerly incarcerated. So that alone, you know, I was like, okay, well, this is a job I can apply for. My record kind of helped me out. 
And then when I read the description that, you know, you would be working with people with chronic conditions and helping them, you know, get established healthcare and helping them get on their feet, I loved it. That was like my dream job come true mm-hmm. or whatever. So I applied for it. Luckily, luckily I got it. And then um, I've actually been with them since 2018. And after, and in 2020, me and my business partner, a guy named William Elmore, started mm-hmm. our business, Success While in Transition. Success while in transition. Now, we're going to go back to that. Did you, the times where you kept getting fired or, or kept having struggles getting jobs, did you ever feel like going back to the streets or doing anything like that? Again, my situation, mm-hmm. totally different. Like, mm-hmm. I, I grew up kind of in the streets, mm-hmm. but I was always kind of one step removed, first right. and foremost. Right. And then, second of all, with me being incarcerated from 22, you know, best years of my life to right. 33, mm-hmm. I had a mind state when I came home that I was never going back. Right. So I never really thought about going back to the streets. Even when, like, just the hint of frustration would get in my system as far as, you know, I've been turned down all week long. Every interview I went to, they turned me down, so on and so forth. I'm broke, don't know where I'm going to get my next dollar from. Which, mm-hmm. honestly, I can't even say it because, again, I got my family. I could always right. go to them. But as a man, you don't want to always go to your mom oh, yeah, or your yeah. dad right. or you need some money. Right. So with that being said, even when those thoughts were of, of like, hey man, you can, you know, you can go see such and such, get that pack, such and such, mm-hmm. maybe two, three weeks, at least have a couple grand in your mm-hmm. pocket, you'll be all right for a while. Right. Soon as I get those thoughts, man, I go to the walk, I call my mom, I call my sister, mm-hmm. I go hang out with a homeboy, I do something, mm-hmm. anything to get my mind off of that. Right. So any, so again, if it just happens to pop up, the thought just comes close to it, mm-hmm. I get rid of it because I can't do that. I can't take it no more. So you already had in your mind that you was going to never going back, never going if, back. But if you hear yeah. about me getting the charge of going back, please <laughs> hire somebody to, to do some research because yeah, that, that's yeah. a lie. Right, right, I'm not right, going right, there. right. Yes, absolutely. That's that's good. That's a good thing. So tell me about the success while in transition. And I saw a clip. I did see a clip where you was you went to the prison to pick somebody up, but uh, somebody who did. Yeah, yeah, on your yeah, page, yeah. did 29 years? Yeah, yeah. Wow, wow. Yeah. Not, he's, he's actually our staff supervisor now. His name's Edward Scott. So he's part of the Success While in Transition. Yeah. Okay. He is successful in Transition. Oh, yeah, yeah, he is. 29 years. I saw that. I said, wow. Yeah, yeah. he's doing great. That's, yeah, definitely. So how's he, what, what is he doing now? So he's our staff supervisor for successful in transition. Mm-hmm. He does. He he's also a successful in transition instructor. Mm-hmm. So he teaches our course. Mm-hmm. Um, he's partnered with my business partner. Mm-hmm. They have their own business mm-hmm. called uh, Community Based Landscaping. Okay. Yeah, where they hire formerly incarcerated people too. Okay. And he also works uh, with one of the uh, transition homes that's that Swit is that partner with called called Straight Talk Support Group. Okay. Yeah. So, so how how does a lot in the community too? Okay. So how how is it for the other ones that's been getting out? That have they been finding jobs? Y'all y'all find jobs for them, or y'all just help we, them find jobs? We assist jobs? them with finding jobs. Okay. Yeah. And sometimes again through community based landscape because mm-hmm. you know my business partner is mm-hmm. also the owner of that as well. Right. So we definitely funnel people that come through successful in transition training mm-hmm. into the, their business as well. So we offer jobs, we help them find jobs, mm-hmm. so on and so forth. We do a lot of advocacy work too. Right. We'll go speak to. You know, potential employers right. on behalf of our clients and things of that sort. Oh, that's a good thing. So, how I many st- actually stick with y'all when they come home and y'all trying to get them acclimated back into society? I, to be honest with you, I, I would say probably about fifty percent. Fifty percent, just being yeah. completely transparent about right, it. Right. Some people take to it, some people don't. Mm-hmm. But the thing about it is, and one of the things that 
you know, we teach in the class, mm. you know, your, your brain is so intricate. You're going to retain stuff right. and not even realize you retain it for one, for first and foremost. Mm-hmm. And then also later on in life, it might pop up when you need it. Right. So even when they come through and take this class, even when they don't keep up with us, we feel like we still kind of did our job because mm-hmm. we put it out there. We showed them a way to be successful. Mm-hmm. And we hope that one day, mm-hmm. you know, maybe they'll use one of the tips that they got from our workshop to get what they need to go in life. That's good. That's good. So how what, how did you come about with the uh, handcuffs from handcuffs to cufflinks? What what is that all about? That's uh <laughs> so that whole movement, uh, right? I have to kind of share that with one of my uh, good friends. Right, His right. name is um, uh, Jeremy McCoy. Uh-huh. He kind of raps or whatever, right. and he's a guy that I met in prison. Uh-huh. And so you, we did what you call build a lot. You know, uh-huh. um, for the for people that don't yeah. know what build a lot yeah. means, it's like. Um, <laughs> It's like heart-to-heart conversations right. between like-minded people. Right, so right, that's right. a good way yeah. to describe yeah, it. That's, right. Yeah, that's good. So we build a lot. And, you know, and just talking about and planning for things that we want to do when we come home or whatever, mm-hmm. we was um, just playing with ideas. And I think it started with him saying something like penthouse to the penitentiary or something like that, mm-hmm. or for penthouse to the penitentiary. And I was like, I'm mm-hmm. I'm going from handcuffs to cufflinks. Mm-hmm. And then it just stuck. Right. right. And then when I came home also, too, um, I, uh, it's it's what what really inspired me to start the page was I was looking in the mirror one day and this is after I had got the <coughs> operations manager position mm-hmm. I don't even I can't even remember where I may have been going to church it wasn't even probably right. anything business wise right. and when I was looking in the mirror and I was thinking about everything I've been through and so on and so forth and I was literally putting on handcuffs and mm-hmm. I got to thinking back to that conversation right. and I was like yo this is a perfect representation of what I'm trying to do this mm-hmm. is my life work. You know, to help guys go from handcuffs to cufflinks. Right. So how long you ha- have you had that? that um, y'all been doing that? Since, I think it was, it was right before I started with the health department. So around 2017. I think it was okay. the year before I, I went to the health department. Okay, so you, you've been with the health par- department since, since then? Since 2018, yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now, I also, I want to touch on something I seen on, on, your, on your page also. Mm-hmm. Considering, you know, well, talking about black-on-black crime. Right. And I seen you you was real passionate about you know how people some people say, well, we out here killing each other mm-hmm. and you know, and but we get mad when police do it or mm-hmm. the other race do it. Right. But you was real passionate about that. Tell right. me more about that. Oh yeah. Um one of the things, right, like you said, it seems like um, you know, everybody is so hard on black on black crime. Mm-hmm. You know, they highlight that or whatever, whatnot. Right. They ready to stand on that. They ready to ride for that. To mm-hmm. stop. I mean, I, I'm sorry, not black on black crime. Um, the um, black crime period. Disp- Ra- yeah, racial disparities. Crime. Yeah, yeah, sorry. Right. And so, um, but if you look at the numbers statistically, we kill ourselves more than they kill us. Mm-hmm. I hate to even say it like that. Right. So my thing is not necessarily. Let's not take away from the fact that we're getting killed at a at a higher rate than mm-hmm. any other race in the world. Let's right. not take away from. Anything that's going with us, racial disparity-wise, I'm mm-hmm. not taking nothing from that. Mm-hmm. But what I'm saying is let's also look at how much damage we do to our own community. Okay, so, okay, maybe I looked at that different. I thought you got, you was upset about people saying that we, say, like, we march for against police brutality or right. other race killing us, but but we out here killing ourselves. Like, we, we're doing the same thing to ourselves, but we don't take it as hard. Like, we don't march that's, for black-on-black crime like we... March for right, and know. that's 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 about the gist of what I mean. Right, that's okay. that's why I'm okay. kind of getting that. That's okay. that's that's what I mean. I may have worded it wrong just now, okay. but that's you actually worded it better than I did. Yeah, yeah, cause, <laughs> yeah, because I, I look at that clip, I because I'm I'm like, you do have to. 
we are out here killing ourselves. We out here, you know, we mm-hmm. we we tearing up our community right. ourselves. You know, we're killing each other ourselves, and it happens every day. Right. But I do understand, like, even when I think it was Minnesota when the cop shot the guy, and he said something to the little girl and the mother. Even that made me so. I was mad. I right. cried in the barbershop. I was so mad at that, you know. Right. But at the same time, we we killing ourselves. And how how do you think that we can? What do you think it takes to stop that? To be honest, and not not trying to say it in an arrogant way, but more people like me and you. Right, right. Seeing us in a better light. That's uh-huh. one of my biggest yeah. things. I don't know if you've seen that on social media or whatever or whatnot, but sometimes I go in about that as well. Mm-hmm. Like, if we really want to, if we really want to be taken serious, mm-hmm. if we want to take each other serious, right. then we got to start carrying ourselves in a more serious manner. Right, right. You got to start showing guys like me and you, guys owning barbershops, mm-hmm. guys working for the health department, mm-hmm. that's from the same place as these other guys out here killing each other right. or doing something else. And once and once they see, hopefully, hopefully, again, because I'm all about starting movements, mm-hmm. but once they see that these guys are doing something more positive and still living good lives, still able to provide for their family, still able to do the nice things that they're doing in an illegal manner, maybe they'll see a, a better way to do it. Yeah, yeah that's, that's that's why one of the reasons I started this podcast. I, I got a number of reasons why I started the podcast, but people tell me you got to find your niche or niche, whatever you want to however right. you pronounce it. You know, right. So that's one of the reasons I want to see help people see us doing different like things it. in the community and just highlight Different people who've been through, I'm mean, just just been, been been to prison, came out and been successful, you right, know. Right. And we we may not be rich, you know, but we are successful, you know. Right, yeah. Right. And that's something I, you know, I had to break myself from that. My first few years of incarceration, mm-hmm. I kill. I used to beat myself up, saying over and over again, I ruined my life. Mm-hmm. You know, I I don't know how I'm gonna get back from this. How I'm gonna get back, whatever. How I'm gonna get on my feet. Mm-hmm. But then, you know, throughout the years, my mind state started changing. Right. You know, I started taking advantage of the things that I could take advantage of inside to make myself better, mm-hmm. to be able to be successful and not, you know, let this be the, the the one point in my life where it was no return. Yeah. But that's the thing that I like showing people, like, because a lot of us make mistakes. Yeah, we all know, make we mistakes. We all make mistakes, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. All of us just don't get caught. Yeah, right. yeah. But for the ones that did make mistakes and did get caught, it's not the end of your life. Well, well, I I got I do have a thing with the mistake word. Yeah. I like to say bad decisions. Absolutely. Because a mistake is something you actually don't mean to do. Right. A bad decision, you a decision is something you made, you know, as you made mm-hmm. that decision and right. Right. you know what comes after that right. decision, I whether like it be that. good or bad, you yeah. know. Absolutely. Yeah, so I had I had to I like know, that. over the years people always say mistake, you made a mistake, uh it's okay, he made a mistake, but mm-hmm. you gotta own up to it. You made a bad decision. Absolutely. We, you know, I like that. That's what that's what we do. We make bad decisions. So yeah. So what's what's your plans from here on out? Um well, I'm I'm really I'm really invested in the program that I that I work for for the health department mm-hmm. and I'm really invested in my business. So my plan hopefully is to help both of those organizations grow cuz I mm-hmm. think we're doing great work mm-hmm. and I think we really make a difference mm-hmm. in some of the people's lives that we deal mm-hmm. with. And so that's 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 my goal. That's my vision. Right. We want to right now like success while in transition, we have it in um in Durham and uh, Orange County right now. Okay. And and we're looking to expand Hopefully soon to Wake County, mm-hmm. but outside of that, I want to see that worldwide. Right now, how long how long has it been going on? The, uh, uh, this is our second year. Oh, second year. Okay, mm-hmm. okay, that's good. You know, mm-hmm. better late than never. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Because I got I'm getting started late on my on my myself, just getting out talking and gotcha. you know getting out there. And I went to the Boys and Girls Club 
Hopefully. about a couple of weeks ago and talked to them. Gotcha. So, yeah. Gotcha. So, as long as we out here, you know, doing it, it's Absolutely. a good thing. Uh, what can people find you on Instagram or Facebook? Yeah, I'm, I'm all over. All over? <laughs> uh, well, we have, first and foremost, we got a website, mm-hmm. uh, successwhileintransition.org. Mm-hmm. Um, then I'm all on, I'm on Instagram, 919legend. Um, Twitter, 919legend. Um, Facebook is under my real name, Henry Green. Henry Green. Yeah, Henry Green. Right. <laughs> <laughs> And what else am I? I'm on so much stuff, man. TikTok, I think that's nine one nine legend too. And um, oh, and Snapchat, gifted dash curse. Okay, okay, appreciate that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. no problem. Continue on doing what you're doing. Um, we gonna be out here. I'm sure we cross paths again. Absolutely. You know, uh, helping out in the community. Uh, before I go, shout out somebody. <laughs> I can clothing. Make sure you support. Black Clothing Company, Kelsey Battle. Check Instagram for I Can Clothes. And um, I Can Clothes, I think it's ICanClothes.com. Check them out, especially if you're from Fayetteville. Support the black man. Until the next time, Impel Forward. If you like what you saw, don't forget to like, share, and subscribe to the Impel Forward podcast.